0: know that it, uh, it is true whenever God brings forth the wrath of the Lamb and that's what we deal with. Uh, the truth is, is that there is a healthy fear of God though. We don't want to dismiss fear and there are natural fears, you know, kind of common fears uh, for self-preservation. I would say don't fear don't fear man, fear God, right? But there are other elements that can be a little scary. Uh, Of course, the present-day COVID has got a lot of people just absolutely, overwhelmingly scared, and we're glad to have uh, today people that have gone through it uh, in our church. Sue uh, has gone through it, and uh, it wasn't a lot of fun, it was basically taking strength from her more or less, and uh, she's regained uh, all that after several weeks here. We are really glad to see her. I saw she got out of the car and see see her and Stan. It's uh, great to see. You know, at the same time we've been praying. God always answers, but uh, you know there is that little bit of fear there in that sense. Um, if you were walking down a street and you saw a man with a gun in his hand and it's pointed at you. You might have a little fear there, a little bit, uh, a little bit scared. I would imagine. Uh, how about the loss of a job? It's kind of scary. You know, what am I going to do now? Or the idea of dying. As far as death is concerned, we're okay with that because we know where we go. But you know what you have to do to get there. Uh, you know that can be a little scary, can't it? But the worst of the fears of all is speaking before a crowd of people. That is the fear that a lot of us really have. And that sure included me. Um, normal fears, there are other kind of fears that some people have called agoraphobia. It's the fear of the marketplace that really exists. Being in a crowd, not necessarily having to speak, but just be in it. Or there's a, another fear, I look this up, I go, you got to be kidding me. This is real. The fear of falling in the toilet. Have you ever had that fear? I I don't think there's probably anybody here with that. Or here's another one a fear of work. You know about those people, don't you? They just don't want to work. (laughs) Right, that's a big one. There's all sorts of weird fears out there, a lot of them. Most of them you shouldn't even have. You know, you don't have to deal with fear being a Christian. There's one fear to a degree that we must. All have. Believer, unbeliever. It's the fear of God. It uh, in found in Hebrews where it says it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That is something to fear there. He's the owner. He's the creator. He is the holy one. He's the righteous one. He is just. And people are not. And when they see a holy God, they should have the fear of God in them. And that's the idea. We as Christians have a fear of God and it's called reverence. It's called respect. It's called awe, knowing that we deserve the worst of hell. We need the burning flames and fire on us without Christ. That's the way it would be. And... We know that is a healthy fear. Those who trust in God have that kind of fear. But the ones who do not trust in God and who will never trust in God, one day they will fear God somewhere along the line when it's too late. And we'll be seeing that in our text. Uh, The day of the Lord comes, there will be such fear that people will actually be scared to death Literally, how many times have you heard? Oh, I'm scared to death. Well, we didn't die, so that was really not true. You know, it felt like we were going to die there, right? But these people are going to die from sheer terror. It'll be so frightful that what—that's hap- what we're going to be looking at here today, because they are falling into the hands of the living God, and they know it. They were—they would be the very people that would be. Saying they don't believe in God. They would be atheists, agnostics, and all of a sudden they recognize where all this is coming from. They cry out for the rocks to crush them. Just like it would be a means of escape. Well, what is it that can cause this level of panic? had a lot of titles I was trying to give this this week and I kept scratching them out, you know, no, this would be good, this would be good. And so I came up a scared to death, unimaginable horror. The sixth seal is open. And then when you think of, I, I thought of panic attack, that's you know, the, the, the world's greatest panic attack. It's the sixth seal being open. That is what the level of panic is about. The sixth seal is open and the dominant force is a four-letter word called fear. Fear. This is an absolutely unbelievable scenario that we have today. It is true. Let's take a look at it. Let's grab our Bibles, read this text. It starts at chapter 6, verse 12, through the end of the chapter I looked, when he broke the sixth seal there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of the wrath has come. Who is able to stand? Let's pray. Lord, we have a very somber passage before us here. As Christians, we have no fear. We do fear you. We are in awe. We give respect. We give reverence. We realize your power, and it is overwhelming. We can't even imagine all that it is. The text that we look at here is your power put on display as your wrath comes from the Lamb of God. And as we look at this, give us strength, give us wisdom, give us comfort. For we know that we are living in a time that could be close to this, could be leading up to this. It may or may not, Lord, you have the timing in that. I would never ever give a prediction or prophecy, but it could be close. And if it is, Lord, it should hit home to us about all of the people that we know who are lost, who are destined for this if they don't trust in the Son of God. Lord, give us wisdom as we go through this text today and give us comfort and not fear, at least the fear that the world has. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, start off, signs in the sky. Signs in the sky. We've gone through the first five seals. Uh, Two weeks ago, we had the four seals that were the four horsemen, which was peace, peace, peace is coming to the world. It's called globalism. Globalism will offer peace finally where the world will not have war and then the second seal shortly after that will be war <laughs> just like that after peace comes war and then the third seal is famine where it will be hard to find food and then the fourth seal is dealing with death destruction pestilence diseases and then The fifth seal we looked at last week, and it's dealing with persecution, martyrdom of the saints. And that brings us up to the sixth seal. And that's what we look at today. You know, in the first five seals, God used instruments. His really instrument was, was man. Of course, it's Satan, the demons, they're all in this, right? But he uses man in those first five seals. To bring on such destruction and deception. But in the sixth seal, there's no man that can do what we just read in verses 12 through 17. This is God directly dealing out his wrath and retribution to a sinful world. His instrument is him. But he will use angels, demons, Satan, as we go all the way through Revelation, and we see this one. And you know, you read it, and you you tend to just pass on by. You know, yeah, it's going to be pretty crazy up in the sky. Well, we want to magnify this today, and we want to kind of put ourselves in the place of John, who sees this. And this is something like never has been ever before, or ever will be. This. Is cosmic disturbances. We've not had cosmic disturbances like this. Sure, we see wherever you have an eclipse of the sun that is kind of out of the usual, but you can forecast, you can foretell when that's going to be thousands of years if you want to about eclipses of the sun, the moon, or when a comet's going to come by. They already know that beforehand because you can count on the skies. You know, God gave us the sun, the moon, and the stars, as far as Genesis is concerned, as signs to man. You know, we have calendars, we have our, our watches, clocks. It's all based on that. That was a gift. And at the end here, near the end, He is going to let the skies go crazy out of order, wacko, and if you, were, if you were right here, you would be scared to death if right now we went out there and we saw that, wouldn't we? Just like the sun just dancing around and moving around all over the place, and whatever looks like stars and such. We'll be explaining this as we go, but I want to tell you, this is real, and this would be the most frightful thing you would have ever seen. And Luke 21, 11, it says, there will be terrors and signs in heaven. There will be terrors. In that context, it's where the disciples ask, uh, when is the time of your coming? What, what are the signs of the end? They're talking about in the future. What is that going to be? They were thinking maybe it would be really soon. Just like the church always has for 2,000 <laughs> years. They always say it's going to be soon. Paul thought it was going to be soon. That's okay, that's good, that's biblical. It's going to be very soon. Be ready, be alert, right? Jesus tells us that. The apostles tell us that. So, we have better a chance than all the other ages before, don't we? More than anybody else before. You know, the sky is stable, isn't it? Think about it. It's always stable. We can count on it. If there's not clouds out there, we know the moon we're going to see tonight. Or the sun. It's going to be there even though clouds come up. We say that there's no sun today. It's dark, you know, but the sun is there. We just don't see it because of the lower cloud layer there. It's no big deal. We know it's there. What if you were really wondering? I wonder if the sun is really there anymore. Can you imagine that? But uh, predictable things. But this is absolutely unpredictable. Out of nowhere, this happens. So we read this, I looked, by the way, this is John looking, and the sixth seal is open. Who opens the sixth seal? The Lamb of God. And we want to focus on him before we go any further, even though it doesn't say the Lamb there. We know in verse 9 when it introduced the fifth seal, the Lamb was there. Or in uh, verse 7, the fourth seal, the lamb was there, right, and such. So we already know who's opening the seals. He's the only one worthy. So we move on. I looked when he broke the sixth seal. This is our Lord and Savior. He's the one that's bringing on this catastrophe. He opens the seal, and there was a great earthquake. Now, great is mega, and we've heard of megaton or mega-whatever. We're trying to amplify it to make it sound just tremendously big, and that's what this is. This is mega. Earthquake here is seismos, which we get our word, seismograph, which measures the magnitude of an earthquake. How bad was it? Here in Missouri, back in the 1800s, that uh, New Madrid fault earthquake happened and it was an 8.0. That magnitude is crazy folks. Of course I believe it was the Mississippi River flowed backwards. That's pretty magnificent. There weren't a lot of people in Missouri at that time so there weren't a lot of buildings going down you know like what we would think of today. Today it would just be unbelievable. But I'm sure it's going to be a lot bigger than an 8.0. This is a global earthquake felt all over the world. How does that happen? We'll explain that in a moment. Earthquakes quake. uh, I want to tell you something. The whole universe here in this text is quaking and shaking. When you think of earthquake, what's the first part of that word? Earth. Earth. So you think of earth. Well, that's correct. But only halfway. Because this is affecting the sky. So this is a universal shaking, quaking that is going on. The seismos. And you think of the people that are living on the earth at this time. They've been taken through so much already the promise of peace, then they're let down because the wars then happen. And then famine, and then pestilence, and one quarter of the earth. The people one quarter at that time are dead. Take out 25% of the population. Eight billion people live on the earth, or close to that, seven something. Take out two billion Just like within the space of a short amount of time. Let's say one, two, three years. Something like that. Um, Anyway, they thought they had reached world peace. They partook of that. They went in with the worldwide government and the worldwide religion. It's called globalism at its peak. That's what most of the leaders in this world have wanted for a long time. They certainly are getting close in our time, aren't they? Well, this earthquake is a quaking, it's a shaking, it's an agitating, it's a mega great shaking that has never happened. Well, people will say, well, there's always been earthquakes. Yeah, there has. Not like this. This is the earthquake of earthquakes. Uh, there was an earthquake even when Jesus was here. When he's on the cross, you know, remember that earthquake? That was amazing. There was another earthquake whenever he was in the tomb. And it was an earthquake where the soldiers felt that the trembling and such. And so that's an idea. Now, remember, we have been looking at the first five seals, and Jesus gives us those seals in Matthew 24, right on down the line. Antichrist come, they offer what? Peace. This is the Messiah. This is peace. And then they, uh, we see that there will be wars and rumors of wars. Then we see also that there will be famine. And uh, with that, of course, death, there will be persecution. Jesus mentions all those. In Matthew 24, 7, He's going to mention uh, earthquakes here, uh, so it, it kind of goes right down the line, almost saying the same thing, really. But uh, in verse seven, he says that nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. These are just the beginning of birth pains. The best is yet to come. Or the worst. <laughs> Depends on who you are. <laughs> uh, this is quite, quite a sign here. This earthquake. There's signs in the sky, but the earthquake is involved. It's Anyway, in Haggai 2, verse 6 and 7, if you say, I don't, I, don't know, it'll take me 10 minutes to find that. I'll read it for you. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also, and the dry land, and I will shake all the peoples, I guess so that's what he's going to do that's that's end time stuff there, folks. this is real, this is a real quaking in Joel chapter ten, chapter two, verse ten. We get the same kind of thing. We'll probably read that in a moment. We're talking about going black. We'll get to that chapter too. So what is is shaking and quaking and trembling and, and agitating? Well, obviously the earth is. It's called an earthquake, but actually in the Greek it's called seismos, which really means to what? Shake, to quake. Usually it's like the earthquake is used. But here, whole universe, no seismograph can even measure this one, folks. Man can't make a measuring graph for this. It's such a frightening thing that we have the land and the sea and the air. I will shake all the peoples and mankind. So, we've seen now Seismos. Let's go to the sky and first look up there where he says look, or I looked, John's telling us, look at this. I want you to look with me here. The sun became black as sackcloth made of hair. Sackcloth. uh, When somebody mourns, is in grief for somebody who passed away and they go to a funeral At that time, they would would wear sackcloth. It's a rough garment. It goes from head to foot almost, all the way down to the ground. It's like a robe. And it's it's just like you don't want to attract attention to your face or or any part of you. You wouldn't want to draw attention. Mourning, you're in grief. Black sackcloth. What's the idea of that? The sun is like black sackcloth. Well, the idea of black here is it's woven. This robe is woven most likely from goat's hair, a black goat. And it was very dark, very dark. I don't know, Debbie, are you kind of going along with this? Have you seen some black goats? Do you have any black goats? Are they pretty black? Oh, yeah. Pretty dark? That's what they would use for this garment. And so they would sew it. Uh, in the midst of it and be part of it. The sun will be as black as a, a black robe woven out of a black goat's hair. That's the one that would be in grief. So you look at the sun and we're talking black. You know, it's there but you've never seen it this color before. You've seen it sometimes where it looks pink and it's beautiful. Everybody puts those pictures up, you know, and it's just beautiful sunset. Uh, it can be a different colors you know, and you go wow, wow and everybody's in awe well they've never seen this color the shaking shakes everything and now the sun is blackened out and we see how the sun becomes black because of the earthquake uh, you have a vast network really of earthquake belts around the world Henry Morris a Christian who is a scientist and a very good one at that and his sons were also took on his ministry and and uh, took it on up he had a very good description of this where he says the vast network of the earthquake belts suddenly begin to slip and fracture on a global basis not locally but all over the world, and it's a gigantic or a mega earthquake that is ensuing. And he says this is evidently and naturally accompanied by tremendous volcanic eruptions. If you have fault lines, and they're all over the world, and you think of the San Andreas Fault and many others, they're all over the place, and then they, they, uh, you have volcanoes that erupt, and of course, we know in Washington, way back in the 80s, there was actually a volcano that erupted called Mount St. Helens. There are those that are all over the world, Hawaii has them, and uh, of course, you can think of either islands or on continents, they exist in a pretty big way. Uh, volcanic eruptions, what would happen? They would spew vast quantities of dust and steam and gases all over the atmosphere, into the upper atmosphere, and when you look up, you have a blackened sun. Is that making sense? This summer, there were a lot of fires out in California and out west, and as they came through here, you noticed it was like a Kind of like a vapor that uh, went through is like kind of cloudy when you know the sun was out there weren't clouds, but it uh, really affected our atmosphere, didn't it? And we've seen that before when there've been fires, and you know that that being the smoke. Well, you can imagine all the smoke and the gases in the upper atmosphere. Sun becomes darkened. The moon becomes a blood red. Yes, we even saw that this summer when those fires and the smoke came through this state. And you saw the moon? Did you see a weird looking, ominous look at the moon? It's not going to be like this. It's going to be more significant. Uh, Has there been other times when God has darkened the world? Well, yeah, um, how about the ten plagues? Moses, Aaron, children of Israel, protected by God, but Egypt became dark in one of the plagues, didn't they? They couldn't see. They couldn't see an inch from their eyes. Totally black for that time period. And then you go to the giving of the law from God in Exodus 19. And guess what you have? Thunder and lightning. And you have like this, uh, what is it? Exodus chapter 19, 18. It, Moses records here something highly unusual. The, the people had to be just overwhelmed when they came to this mountain that God had set forth to give the law to Moses and to the people. It um, was it 1918. Now Mount Sinai was in all, all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked violently. There's that word that would be equivalent to our seismos. I mean, God was putting the fear of God into the people and to stay back from that mountain because God is there. He's holy. Only Moses could go up there and get the law. Somebody had to do it. In Isaiah 13, verse 9 and 10, in the prophecy section. Isaiah thirteen, nine and 10. We looked at the law. Let's look at the prophets. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel with fury and burning anger to make the land a desolation, and He will exterminate its sinners from it. Here we go. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash forth their light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will not shed its light. Thus I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I'll also put an end to the arrogance of the proud and abase the haughtiness of the ruthless. So, how it is. Joel has a section in chapter 2 that is good news to us, but it's bad news to us. To the world without Christ. Joel 2, verse 10. Before them the earth quakes, Earthquake. Seismos. The heavens tremble. The sun and the moon grow dark. And the stars lose their brightness. This is about a terrible vision near the end times. Now go down to verse 30 and 31. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth. Blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and all some fearsome day of the Lord comes. But it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. This is describing hundreds of years before Christ. It's been thousands of years for us. We see written in the Old Testament Zephaniah 1, 14 and 15 Zephaniah, before Haggai. Does that help? (laughs) It's before Zechariah. 1 14 and 15. Near is the great day of the Lord. Near and coming very quickly. Listen, the day of the Lord. In it the warrior cries out bitterly. A day of wrath is that day. A day of trouble and distress. A day of destruction and desolation. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Do you see why they killed the prophets of old? I'll tell you what. Whoa, I better look around. Whoa. When you proclaim the word of God, folks... This is going out on the Internet, you know. People that don't believe in this stuff think you're nuts, first of all. But we believe it because it's God's Word. And this was not only written by John. Some people fear Revelation. But remember, what does it say in chapter 1 right off the bat? A blessing for all those who read this and understand it. Have you been blessed? Amen. Because it kind of explains what man does, why they do what they do, and what God will do eventually, if not now. He does have a plan on destroying evil and wickedness, and it is definitely something that is extreme, isn't it? Well... The next one, now we, we looked at what the sun and we don't have to look at the moon very much or describe that here because it's a lot of the, it went right along with the sun, didn't it? The moon became like blood. And you can think of the large amounts of ash, debris that's blown into the Earth's atmosphere here, and a, a moon here has a blood red hue to it. We read our Joel too, didn't we? Now let's go to the next one. This is about the stars falling. And I know people that don't believe in God's word or their inspiration would say, see how ridiculous it is. It says the sky was split a No, no, no. Uh, verse 13. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth. Uh, well, this word star actually is the word asteris. Kind of related to star, there isn't it? Asteris, what does that mean? Well, it means anything that is coming from like the heavens, uh, the whole universe here is involved, and it's you know, stars could be released out of their orbit, they could be tumbling There's no way that this earth would even exist after that, it'd be totally blown away if it came within a million miles, or probably more than that. Some of them, probably a billion miles away, we'd be burnt up and that would be it, you know. But, so what's happening here? Well, I think one thing, it could be stars that are careening out of orbit and they just go loose. <laughs> Random stars out of their path. But also, th- this would be talking about fiery balls coming out of the darkness Could be meteorites. Can be asteroids. It can be the result of what comets do. Flying around. Can you imagine some of those? Can you imagine a stone like this hitting the earth? Well, it has happened. How about like this? Well, yeah, it's happened quite a bit. I'm glad it doesn't happen every day, every hour. A lot of times when we see those meteorites and, and that kind of uh, view you know, that we get, you know, they have meteor showers and such, they, you know, they burn up in the earth's atmosphere. But some of them make it through and then they hit here. It's, but this is going to be an unbelievable destruction. This is going to be an immense amount. They will be huge. That will be coming down. The, the whole universe is shaking. Do you see this? Do you see why it says seismos when you think of earthquake? Yeah, that's involved. The land is involved. But right now, we're talking about the sky. sky is involved here and the darkening and such, and everything is careening and just going nuts. It's crazy. Can you imagine the news report telling you to go outside and take a look? And then you look up and boom, it hits you right on the head and takes you down into the ground. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, random ways. That, you know, the, the universe is collapsing here. I mean, we're talking about disintegrating, fiery balls coming out of the sky. And, so you get that idea there, right? Um, it's asterisk is really any celestial body. And that's giving the Greek terminology out of it. So don't be bothered when it talks about, oh, the stars are going to hit the earth. Uh, That's kind of impossible. They're they're much bigger than the earth. How much bigger is the sun than the earth? Much, much bigger, right? How many earths can fit in? I I don't have the numbers. I used to know that. Do you know how that goes? Okay. Anyway, somebody will look it up and probably give us an answer here in a moment. The sky is split. It's like a scroll that is rolling up. I've tried to infathom this, to picture it in my mind. And from what I read, it's like when you take a scroll and you unroll it, you roll it back up when you're done, you unroll it, you roll it back up, you unroll it, roll it back up, you know, right? You just keep on going. Over time, that scroll is drying out and it starts cracking and all of a sudden, one day you open it up and it goes, and it just splits and then the scroll on both sides now roll up and that's the way it's described like that. Uh, The sky vanishes. What would that look like? I have no idea. All I know is it looked like a scroll that just rolled up after it split and cracked. Ripped in the middle, two separate places here is what you have. The sky is split apart. That's what it says, it it graphically says it, it means it. Somebody could say all of this is your Christian life and if you're not, a, you know, and these things will happen to you as you live, and and you will have like the sun being blackened, and you the stars will even seem like they're falling out of the sky. Everything drops, you know, and you know, like a fig tree, unripe figs when they're shaken by a great wind. When you have those figs that are not even ripe, and boom, there they go. The wind comes by and takes them all out. That's how quickly it is, and. You know, it might be you know maybe some physical things that come on the earth. People describe that. See this, or for an unbeliever, this is what this is. The you know it's like the sky going out, and no longer is there a sky anymore. No atmosphere. If we can't take the Bible literally, it's giving us descriptions of the best way that we can get a picture of it. John is seeing this for the first time. How do you describe this? Well, he did it the best that he could, which he got from God, which is the best description we can have. And he's not saying, oh, it's going to just spiritually happen. This is a real physical thing, physical and mental and spiritual um, economical, everything is going to be a disaster, a catastrophe. This is what's going to happen physically in our universe. Why not? Why would we just say, oh, he wouldn't do that? Well, he says he's going to eventually, after this time, it'll be much later, but he will give us new heavens and a new earth. Do we take that literally? Do we take heaven literally? Do we take hell literally? Why would we spiritualize this and say, well, it's really the the unbelieving world. And this is what's happening in their lives. I, I don't have the permission to say that. I know it sounds a lot less scary. But... Um, This is what's happening. We have to tell the truth here. The sky is just going to be ripped to pieces. Asteroids and meteorites plummeting out of the sky, some hitting the earth. The uh, atmosphere that we know it, the earth's atmosphere, is disappearing. Wow! The heaven that was so familiar and that was so stable is not stable anymore. Everything that you can count on on earth is not stable. We know what happens with earthquakes, but the sky doing this? Signs in the sky. Okay. We will move on. One million earths. One million earths in the sun? Yeah. Okay, see I, I knew somebody would tell us tell us. Thank you, Mike. That means how could all it do is come along. It can't land here, can it? And that's a small star, isn't it? The sun is, compared to what, Betelgeuse or all the stars out there. So, signs on the earth. What what happens here? Every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Moved out of their places. I don't know what that means other than there's such a catastrophe with what's happening to the earth's crust that everything has shifted and moved. Fault lines, earth plates, every mountain and island, the whole unstable crust. It's unstable the way it is, right? It begins to move and it shifts and the faults split and the volcanic gases come out of the volcanoes. Dr. Morris, Dr. Henry Morris said this, the earth's crust, highly unstable ever since the great flood, that's why we have sin in the world And it was judged the first time with the flood. And what did it do to the Earth's crust? It's unstable. It will be so disturbed by the impacting asteroids, the volcanic explosions, and the earthquakes that great segments of it will actually begin (laughs) to slip and slide over the Earth's deep mantle. Sliding, sliding off. You know, a lot of you have heard of California as the... Pro- they're saying a probability that it will slide off into the ocean. Now, I'm not sure how much of California... Are we talking the whole state or half of it or L.A.? You know, San Francisco? Well, you know, that's pretty well God's judgment there, isn't it? I think we can safely say that. Uh, I will. I will say this, that... It very well could go off into the ocean because of this. This would be a high probability if you're on the coastline, watch out, right? He says this, Morse does, geophysicists for many years have been fascinated with the idea of continental drift. Whether you're a believer or not a believer, creationists, non-creationists, they really take notice of what could be a continental drift. And of course, we're we're talking about it one time during the flood, you know, you think of Africa and then you think of South America and you can put those pieces together. And in other places like that, it was like all one landmass, what happened when the flood came? A catastrophe, a flood that has never been known outside of that. We've never seen a worldwide flood, and we will not like that, but we will this will be seen by people here in the on the earth looking up in the sky, but there's a continental drift they've published theories of a past naturalistic catastrophic event involving what they call the earth's shifting crust, and we know why. Some such phenomenon may be triggered under the judgment of the sixth seal, goes Morris, dwarfing the damage occasioned by all the mighty earthquakes of the past—San Fernando, um, what the, the earthquakes that have been involved that we've that we've felt here, you know—that comes from southeast Missouri. All, over the, to, all the way to the east coast, to the west coast, especially out west, and you have all of these um, places that have had earthquakes. And some people get used to them after a while. It doesn't even bother them. You know? Sometimes they don't even report it in the news. I was just a 2.0. You know, shifting crustal plates. And he says, those who reside in regions above these, crystal, these uh, crustal plates... If they're right on it, we'll observe the heavens appearing to move in the opposite direction. Everything's spinning and moving around and going backwards. It's everything's shaking to the degree that it's moving and moving, could even be moving in circles. The earth starts being pummeled by asteroids, meteorites, comets, and whatever else, of bits and fragments of stars and suns come plummeting into our space, and when the colliding galaxies do what God intends for them to do at the moment of His wrath, the world is going to know that it is God. So there's plenty of reason for all the people on the earth who are unbelievers to fear. And they do. All of them are fearing. When we're looking at this Revelation 6, who wouldn't? And if you didn't, you're not a human God gave us a sense of certain uh, good fears, right? Okay, well, that's the Earth. So we've seen the sky, the Earth in this earthquake that is affecting and is affecting the earth or is the sky. And in turn, it's the signs. In man. So the sky or the universe, the earth, and now it goes to man. Um, there are five categories of the elite. Who are the elite? It says it right here, it's the upper class. It's everybody all over the world. But it starts with the kings. The great men, the commanders, the rich and the strong. That's the elite, isn't it? The elite that rules the world with all of its money that comes from the people who are now made poor because they give it all to them. The one world, global government. They give it to them and they will experience What everybody else experiences finally. The elite today say, sit down and shut up. You be quiet and you listen to what we say. Don't you say anything different than us. And that is what they're saying already, aren't they? And that's happening throughout the world. Okay, these are the people that say, don't you go into a restaurant and eat. Thank the Lord that we have sanity here in this state and even in this county and in this city. Uh, I am thankful for that. In other states, they tell you, you can't have a restaurant that opens. You can't go in there. You can't have more than 10 people, whatever, and you find the very same people. What are they doing? They are the ones going to those restaurants uh, and they, they they force a mask on people. Well, you know, they put it on when they're easily on TV, but it's funny. Somebody has a, a camera and zip, and they get a picture of them without a mask in public and they're talking to somebody. Well, I really don't have a problem with that, but they command that everybody else do what they say. And so these are the people that are the elite. Uh, The people who are the commanders in the army, the great men, the kings, the leaders, all the political realm. They're rich. They weren't rich before. They are now. They're strong. And so they can do anything they want, and they are the ones who are saying this, but that doesn't cover everybody. The second group are the slaves and the freemen. Really, they are the common man. Just common people. And whether you're the elite or the common people, if you're not a believer, this is going to come. Nobody's going to be left out. It's for everybody who are unbelievers and everybody's going to feel this. They're going to see it. They're going to experience it. You cannot miss it. It is worldwide. So, what do they do? They go hiding in caves in the rocks of the mountains. Really, there's no place to hide. You remember Psalm 139 that was sung earlier by Audrey? Uh, That was right out of Psalm 130. We can't go anywhere out of God's presence no matter what. Well, they're actually doing a pretty silly thing. uh, I think it's a silly place to go. You're having earthquakes and all the rocks are breaking up. And where do they go? They go to the rocks. That makes sense to us who see these people doing crazy things that makes no sense. That's what they do. They do the exact opposite of what is right. The world is upside down. Well, I think it's fascinating that you have all mankind here, and there they are hiding in this place. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 10 and 19. I do believe that is correct. Isaiah yeah. 2. Wow. Did you read that, Penny, already? Wow. This is a wow passage, isn't it? <laughs> 2, verse 10 says. Enter the rock and hide in the dust from the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of His majesty. The proud look of man will be abased, and the loftiness of man will be abased, or uh, uh, humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Of course, you can read on. Now, we know that there is a day of Lord whenever God brought on judgment to... uh, Israel, the ten tribes, later Judah and Benjamin, Babylon, carried uh, some of them off if they weren't, uh, if the people weren't all destroyed. And, uh, we know there have been uh, other empires in the Greeks, the Medes and Persians, the Romans, and all throughout the history of man and some of these things. You can kind of see that has happened, but when this happens, it will be the earthquake of all earthquakes. The signs of all signs and the sign in man doesn't look good here. They can't escape. They can't get away and they know it's God that's doing it. They didn't do it. You know, they could probably blame some kind of satellite, some kind of rocket, some missile that went up and yeah, that's going to bring all of this stuff coming down, right? I'm sure somebody will do that. and uh, But God is breaking up everything. This has not been done before. And you know what they do? They pray to the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll help. By the way, you know, I got that Psalm 139. But we sang it this morning. And uh, if you heard it there, a lot of that was there. There. Uh, Even, you know, in the womb, we couldn't hide because God created us. He gave us life there. We can, you know, run out of our house and try to find a place in a cave and try to hide from Him, and that's just absolutely ridiculous. God is everywhere. What is that called? Omnipresence. Learn that word today, kids. That's all of us, right? Omni means all. That means He can be everywhere. He is everywhere. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing, isn't He? Omnipresent, omniscient. So this is the kind of God we have. By the way, He's omnipotent too. All of these are showing up here. That means powerful. All-powerful. Now, so these people are ready to repent, right? Right? <laughs> What do they do? And they said to the mountains and to the rocks. They're speaking here and they're talking to the rocks. Fall on us and hide us from the presence of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. We want to escape the wrath of the Lamb, but they want the rocks to come on them? They'd probably die anyway. But the thing is, no matter what, they're not repenting. You know why they're not repenting? Because they are deceived. You know what Satan does best? He deceives. Deception is the name of the game for Satan. They have been deceived by Satan. And then there's a time when God says, Okay, now I put deception on them. In that they cannot reason. Sometimes I think, is this a precursor? There have been many deceived that are believing a lie. Is this some of it? I I don't think it's at that time yet. But yet, I believe it is why people are doing what they do. And then people that are your own relatives, your own kids, cousins, family, neighbors... People who don't like you, even. Enemies. Oh, boy. Boy, it's almost like you get the wrath from them if you don't believe what they believe. And they think you're an idiot. And you're going, they're absolutely deceived. How can they believe? Why would they want a world the way that is going? Well, they were told a lie. They They were told that we'll take care of you. Yeah, they will. They will certainly take care of you one way or another, right? They're deceived. They're left in deception. God leaves them in deception. They identify themselves with the Antichrist at the very end. And God just leaves them in that delusion. He has left them in that deception and He has turned them over to the wrath of God. Now, I'm not saying that those people have the wrath of God Destined to them right now. But I am saying the ones who will remain unbelievers. I can qualify it with that and be okay, right? And I think probably it will be most of them, whoever they are. It's everybody who's living at that time. Now turn over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. That's where I got this from. It's talking about Antichrist. It's talking about those... In times we are living in the last days, maybe it's the last of the last days. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 8, verse 7, it says, uh, Restraints will be taken out of the way, God will just, and that's a wrath of God when He says, Okay, let it happen. Then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end to the appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan. Look at this. With all power. He's going to look like he's omnipotent. He's not. And and look at this. And signs and false wonders. You know what? A lot of people are going to say, Oh, those signs in the sky antichrist did that. Of course, I think most really know that only God can do that. But anyway, they're deceived though. And here we go, verse 10. And with all the deception of wickedness. The deception of wickedness. For those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. Hey, do you guys love the truth? You're a believer if you love God's Word. You can't wait to get into to see what He's saying today. Tomorrow, the next day. You love the Word of God. You say, well, I don't love the Word of God. Then I say, you need to repent and trust Jesus Christ, His sacrifice, for your sin. Because if you don't love God's Word, you don't love God. You don't love God. You hate God yeah you are an enemy of God verse 11 says this for this reason God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false they already have been blinded by Satan and then God says they are not ever going to believe and he puts that on them that is scary scary I am humbled by this. I don't take joy in the fact that people are going to experience the wrath of God. I do rejoice in God's justice and His judgment and the judging of sin. And I would love for everybody to be a believer, but that's not the way that it is written. And God will send a deluding influence That they will believe what is false. Why are people doing the craziest, stupidest, dumbest things that they could ever do today? I'm not even talking about the elite. I'm talking about the ordinary person that we all know and love. Why are they believing this? Well, they're deceived by Antichrist, right? Well, what if Antichrist is really not here? He's not here. Well, they're deceived by Satan. Satan. And that's really all they need. But what happens if God sends a deluding influence on them, either now or later? They will never believe what you have as truth. But you give it out. You don't know if they have the letter E on their chest. That Spurgeon always said so much. We got to close this out. Oh, by the way, verse 12 says, In order that all may be judged who did not believe the truth, but look at this, here we go, took pleasure in wickedness. I think that says it. That gives me my answer of why they cannot reason. And they are loving what they are doing. At this time that we see here, God will unleash a series of judgments and this is one of them. This is not the worst, as it will mount even more. They pray to the rocks. They'll say, Peace and safety, destruction will come. The wrath of the Lamb and that's really what's said here fallen and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. The wrath, where did they get that one at? And then it's like God's word says, for the great day of the wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Well, only people that have become believers during that time, and most that come believers, will be persecuted and martyred, and we saw some of those last week in the fifth seal. Uh, people, uh, there are going to be the 144,000 who are sealed, and we'll be looking at those people next week. God's people is what we're going to be looking at in chapter 7. When I understand and when you understand what is to come, when we understand that, what do we have to do? We have to warn mankind. You know, I'm thankful that we are going to be rescued from this wrath. That we're not destined for this wrath to come. There will be judgment. Who knows all the things we might go through even right now, today, tomorrow coming this week, coming Wednesday. Hmm. But on the hand, there's a world of people out there and we have the saving message of Jesus Christ and His payment for sin that they might be delivered from all of this that we've been reading. And even if that time is a long time off we have people who have the same kind of hearts as they do we have the same kind of hearts they do now because it's called the sin of man, the depravity of man, that's his nature let's pray Father Holy God How awesome, how majestic. We are in awe. We fear You. We fear You alone in the sense that You are the Creator. You are our owner. And we do want to do what You say. And it's a pleasure to do that. And it brings You glory. And Lord, for those ones who do not know Your truth, they don't love it, they don't receive it, they don't want it. We've been given it here and they may call us all sorts of names and they may hate us and they may even want to do things to us. But Lord, really, we pray for their souls. We love our enemies even. And we love our families. The ones who have not received the truth yet, they've heard it. That Lord, that that truth would come back to them and they would repent of their sin and cry out, for Jesus Christ to save him. Anybody that would be here sitting in that, knowing that, or thinking that, cry out to Jesus Christ. That's what our answer is to all of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.